my joy to carry on preaching in the mighty book of Ephesians. This is our eighth message. Uh, after today, we're actually going to be pausing because we're going to be jumping into the book of Philippians just for next Sunday, the Sunday after, and Christmas morning. We're going to be preaching from Philippians chapter 2 about our humble king. And I uh, really want to encourage you to join us for those three messages. We'll pick up on Ephesians. Don't worry. We'll finish the book of Ephesians and we'll pick up on it after Christmas again. And as I come back to this passage, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, last week I was preaching from Ephesians 2 and we were focusing on verses 11 through to 17, uh, or really 16. Today, I want to focus on verses 17 to 22. The context for verses 17 to 22 are, are obviously the verses that have gone before, and I preached on that last week about how there is a remarkable unity that is possible in the church in spite of our diversity. There is a remarkable unity that's possible because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. As we sung today, because He died on the cross for us, amazing things have become possible. And so Jesus came to this earth to redeem us from our sin. And when He redeemed us from our sin, what He did is He redeemed many different people and He, he formed out of a diverse group of people, a new people called the church of Jesus Christ, His people. And so we are now a united people brought together only by the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. And so verse 17 to 22 carries on this theme, this good news of what did Jesus come to do? What are the effects of the grace of God? What is the outflow of the gospel? And verses 17 to 22 are going to flesh those out a little bit more. Let's read these verses together. Uh, this is in the ESV translation. Verse 17, and he, that's Jesus, he came and preached peace to you who were far off. Do you remember that theme from uh, last week? Some were really far off, some were near. He preached peace to you who are far off and peace to, to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Three main things that I want to take out of this passage. The first is Jesus, our peacemaker, verse 17. Jesus is described in Scripture as the Prince of Peace. He is our peacemaker. And I want you to see from verse 17 that Jesus is the one who took the initiative and He moved towards us. It says that He, he came and preach peace. We didn't go looking for him. Many people are on a spiritual journey. They would, uh, some people travel to India and want to find a guru, or want to go find a, find a high mountain. But the Bible says that Jesus is the one who came to us. Jesus came looking for us. He came 
to those who were alienated from God. We, we read about that last week. We were far from God, without hope, without a future. He came to those who were alienated from God. He came to those who were alienated from one another, those who were separated from one another. He came, and to both of those groups of people, he preached peace. Jesus came with a message, not of judgment, but of peace. Judgment would have been fitting because we have all sinned. None of us have lived a good enough life to satisfy the holy requirements of God. But Jesus didn't come preaching judgment. He came preaching peace. Jesus came with what you could call an irresistible offer of peace. He came with an offer that you just cannot resist if you really understand it. Friends, Jesus left heaven to reconcile with his enemies, to reconcile with the very people who had rejected him. And he did so. The cost of reconciliation was his own life, as we sang about earlier on. He chose to reconcile us at the cost of him giving his own life. He paid the price quite literally for our reconciliation. For us to be reconciled back into right relationship with God, Jesus had to die. Friends, Jesus is amazing. He, he didn't come for those who loved him. He came for those who were his enemies and who rejected him. And he reached out and he came speaking peace. Jesus is amazing. And if you think about it, this is really what the Christmas story is. Jesus came to us to redeem us so that he could reconcile us back into a right relationship with our maker and our father, God. Jesus didn't come, we learn in this passage, he didn't just come for one type of people. In fact, you could say that Jesus didn't come for the type of people you might think he would come for. You see, sometimes we think, well, maybe, maybe God's impressed with some people on the earth. Maybe, maybe God came for those who are righteous, those who are religious, you know, those who are really good people. Maybe Jesus came for them. No, but all through the Gospels, we know that Jesus said the opposite. Jesus came for sinners. He came for broken, messed up, helpless, hopeless people. That's who He came for. He came for those who knew that they needed help. That's who Jesus came for. Jesus came for people who had no way to fix their own lives and no way to get themselves back into right relationship with God. Friends, Jesus came to all people. We see this in this passage. He preached the peace of God to those who are near. He preached the peace of God to those who are far away. He preached the same message to both groups of people. He came to those in this passage. There's two groups of people. He came to those who were close, those who were near, those were the Jewish people. They had the covenants of God. They were called the people of God. He came to them, but he also came to those who were far off. That's anyone who is not Jewish. He came to the Gentiles. That's us. Thank you, Jesus, that he reached out to us. And he came with the same message. He preached the exact same message to both groups of people. And the message is this. Be reconciled to God through me. Be reconciled to God. You can be restored back to a right relationship with God through me, through putting your faith in me. And as you think about it, 
We all have, every person on the planet, we have a common need. Our common need is that we need to be forgiven of our sins. And what we read in this passage is that Jesus is the only answer to our common need. And so this really unites us. We have the same need and we have the same answer to our need. His name is Jesus. And so whoever you meet, you can meet anyone. You can go to the Galleria just now. You can go to Durban. You can go to Umschlange. You can go to China. Anyone you, you meet has the same need and we have the same solution. His name is is Jesus. And so that really unites us. No one is better than anyone else. No one is worse off than anyone else. Regardless of who you are, regardless of what you have or have not done, your need is Jesus. And Jesus is the one who has come and preached peace to you. The Prince of Peace's message is consistent. Be reconciled to God through me. We heard through Cindy in our worship that maybe there was someone here this morning who, who doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, as their King. And Jesus' message to you this morning is that you need to be reconciled to God, but you cannot be reconciled to God in your own effort. And so all you need to do is say, Jesus, I need you. I believe that you are the answer to my need. And if you put your faith in Jesus, the Bible says you will be saved. That, that's, that's language that, that describes forgiveness. You will be forgiven of your sin, and you will be made right with God in an instant. And I just think we should pray right now. Just if you could close your eyes right now, because maybe that person is right here. I didn't ask Cindy to say that. God spoke to Cindy this morning, just with everyone's eyes closed. If you responded to Cindy's message, you know, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I want to. Just put up your hand. I won't make you do anything. I just want to pray for you. Is there anyone? You don't yet know Jesus as your Savior, but you want to. Lord Jesus, I thank you that we have good news, that our need, which is common, has an answer. In Pendulo, you are the answer, Jesus. And Lord, we thank you that you offer us forgiveness for anyone who will put their faith in you. And I pray, Lord God, Lord, if there is anyone here this morning, they might believe that good news and they might be saved and reconciled back to you. Ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. The second point in this passage is access. We have been given access to God. Because Jesus made peace possible between the holy God and those who accept his glorious, irresistible offer of forgiveness, because, there's, because Jesus has made this possible, we who have put our faith in Jesus have unhindered access to God, the Holy One, that we were singing about earlier. More than that, verse 18 says that we don't just have the key to God's house or the key to God's presence, as it were. We don't just have access into His presence, but actually this passage of Scripture says that we belong there in the most remarkable way. I want to use the prophet Isaiah to explain this a little bit so that we actually 
uh, we actually understand it and um, appreciate what God has done. One day, about 900 years before Jesus, the prophet Isaiah, who wrote one of the longest prophecies in the whole of the Old Testament, he's a serious dude, okay? Isaiah is a serious God follower. He's anointed by God. He's a prophet. And one day, about 900 years before Jesus, Isaiah gets ushered into the presence of God. He comes into the presence of God. God gives him access into his presence. And Isaiah sees God in his throne. You can read it in Isaiah chapter 6. He sees God in his throne. He sees the host of heavenly angels around God crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And Isaiah in this moment suddenly has access into the presence of God. And when he saw God on his throne exalted, always being worshipped by these heavenly creatures, Isaiah cries out something. He doesn't cry out, hallelujah. He cries out, woe is me, because I am utterly undone. In other words, I'm in trouble. I've arrived in the wrong place. I am a man of unclean lips, and I have just seen the holy, holy, holy God Oh dear. That's basically what he cries out. Now Isaiah, as I told you, is a serious prophet in Israel. He is God's representative, but in this moment when he comes into, he gets access to God's presence, the overwhelming feeling in his heart is, I don't belong here. I shouldn't be here. Because in that moment, as he saw the holiness of God, and he saw his own sinfulness, he just thought, I'm in danger, I'm in the wrong place. And so for me, it is remarkable that you and I, sinners, failed people, broken people, not so holy people, have the words of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18 and 19 said over us. Let's look at them again. Ephesians chapter 2 says, through Jesus... We have, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens. You don't have to cry out, I shouldn't be here. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Brothers and sisters, because of our faith in Jesus, together we have access to God as Father as we sing. Cindy, thank you so much for choosing that song. I didn't ask you to sing that song that we are the children of God, I want the impact of this to really hit you this morning. Isaiah, the serious prophet of God, comes into God's presence and he cries out, oops, I'm in the wrong place. But Ephesians chapter 2 says, in Jesus Christ, you have access into the throne room of God. You have access to God as Father. I really want you to notice the words that are in Ephesians here. If Isaiah had seen these words of Scripture, he would have shuddered and said, there's a mistake. Because the words of Scripture, this passage doesn't say, through Jesus, we have access into God Almighty's presence. Do you see that? This passage says, we have access to the Father, capital F, that means God, by the Spirit. We have access to the Father. 
this would have been unimaginable to Isaiah. This would have been unimaginable to anyone in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God has many names, but His people never called Him Father. And yet our access that we have through faith in Jesus is not just into the presence of holy God, but we have the right and the privilege to call holy God Father. We have the right to call Him Dad, because John chapter 1 verse 12 says this, but to all who did receive Him, that's Jesus, to everyone who receives Jesus, who believed in His name, he, Jesus, gave the right or the privilege, that word, can mean, that, can, that word can be translated both ways. He gave the right, I like to translate, the privilege to become the children of God. You are not like a child of God, you become the child of God. Friends, our access isn't just into God's presence. I believe Isaiah was honored in Israel to be ushered into the presence of God our access isn't just into God's presence. Our access is to be included in His heart. We become the children of the Most High God. We're not just a subject of the King. We are subjects of the King, but we are children of the King. That is another category entirely. Our access is into an ongoing loving relationship with God that transforms all of our life and our eternity. We who believed in Jesus are quite literally, verse 19 says, the family of God. We belong to God's household, it says in the NIV. In the NLT, it says we are God's family. Brothers and sisters, in Christ Jesus, we become God's family. And that makes us brothers and sisters, but it gives us a relationship with God that would have been unimaginable to the whole of the Old Testament prophets that you and I can call God Father. And so unlike Isaiah, as God's children, we can boldly go into the presence of God and into His holy presence. Remember, Isaiah came into God's presence, and he wasn't bold at all. In fact, he was cowering on the floor crying, okay, I'm going to die. I'm in the wrong place. Woe is me. I am utterly undone. But brothers and sisters, if you read Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12, just over the page in your Bible, it says we come into His presence with boldness and with confidence. It's incredible. You should be screaming and shouting. It is incredible. God hasn't changed. We're as bad as Isaiah would have been. In fact, he was probably better than me. And yet, he's crying Woe is me when he comes into God's presence, and we get to come in, Ephesians 3.12 says, with boldness and with confidence. Ephesians, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verse 14 through 16 says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence that we might receive mercy and grace in our time of need. We're not crying out, woe is me. Romans 8.14 says, we're crying out, Daddy, where are you? You have the spirit in you that cries out, Abba, Father, and Abba means Daddy. Isaiah's crying, woe is me, and you crying, Daddy. And you're not better than Isaiah. What Jesus has done for you is better. 
what Jesus has done for you is better because he's reconciled you to God because of his finished work on the cross. Now, let's be clear. Nothing in Almighty God has changed. It's not like His glory kind of faded over the thousands of years. Nothing has changed from Isaiah's day and Isaiah's encounter to our experience. God is the holy, holy, holy God, the one who is sitting in glory on His throne. God is the God of Revelation chapter 5 that, that paints this picture of thousands upon thousands upon thousands of heavenly creatures and angels surrounding Him forever, crying, holy, holy. God hasn't changed at all. But Jesus taught us to pray like this, our Father, hallowed be your name. What does hallowed mean? Continually holy be your name. Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Can you see that Jesus is holding together what Isaiah saw in the holiness of God and the new reality and the new relationship that he had established because of his work on the cross or was going to establish at this point because this is before he died. But Jesus taught us to pray, our Father, to come to him with a relationship. I am his child. I belong here. I can ask him for anything. My kids have never said, Dad, do you mind if I have some lunch? Of course you can have lunch. They ask with confidence, what's for lunch? Or they just don't ask at all and empty the fridge. Hey, Sam. Children go with boldness and confidence into the presence of their dad. Dad hasn't changed. Holy Father hasn't changed, but we have changed because of the work of Jesus. Can you see that? What a privilege to use these two words together. Holy Father. He's not any less holy. I do want you to see that this morning. Don't shrink God to the size you can handle. He is still omnipotent, omnipresent, sovereign, almighty God. And yet he is dad. He is holy father. Friends, you have free access, for, a, but don't for a minute make less of who he is because you have free access. Thirdly, access has been granted, but what will you do with it? You have access. You have a privilege into the presence of holy father, the maker of all things. In English, we say this phrase. I don't know if it really translates to Zulu. It's not what you know, but who you know that matters. Have you ever heard something like that? It's not what you know, but it's kind of who you know. You can, you can finish a degree. You can have all the marks. And you can still be without a job. Am I right? True story, unfortunately, in our country. But you can finish and you can do all the marks. And you know someone who knows someone. And before you know it, you're in an interview and you get a job. You know, the, you know what I'm talking about? It's not just what you know, but it's who you know that matters. You can know lots of things, but most often opportunities come to those who know someone. Well, friends, you have access to none other than Holy Father. You have an unfair advantage. I prayed for Sipumulela. Where is he? There he is. I got your name right, Sipumulela. Prayed for him earlier over coffee. He's about to graduate with honors in HR. Stand up, sir. 
this man needs to get employed. And so we said, let's pray. And I prayed and I said, you have an unfair advantage because your dad controls everything. Let's pray. That's the way to pray. Father, hallowed be your name. Can you see the connection? Huh? If you want to give a job to Sipamalela next year, just go speak to him afterwards. <laughs> Friends, you and I have access to the most incredible, majestic, all-powerful, all-knowing God who knows tomorrow before you even hit tomorrow. You have access to God. The question is, what are you doing with it? Now, I've told this story before, but it's so good, I'm going to tell it again. I once tried to phone our state president. I did. In 2012, I tried to phone our state president. I felt like if I could just get to speak to him, we could sort some things out. His name was Jay-Z at the time. And so I called, and I called, and I called the presidential hotline, but it was so hot it never got answered. And so eventually I decided another tactic, I'm not going to call the hotline, I'm going to call Parliament. And so I called Parliament. And somehow I eventually got through to his secretary's secretary. I had to ask, sorry, who are you? What's your relationship? No, she was the secretary's secretary. And shock and horror, she refused to put me through to the real secretary. And so I asked whether he was in the office, and she wouldn't tell me. I would ask if I could leave a message, and she said no. And I asked, could he call me back? And she said no. I asked if I could speak to Jay-Z because we would have been able to sort some things out. I thought that maybe I could get the inside scoop like the Guptas did. Maybe I could succeed in some business venture. Sorry, that's a bad example. That doesn't really relate to what we're doing, but I couldn't resist. There are many times that we think if we just have access to the right person, that would make all the difference. Have you ever thought that? If I could just speak to so-and-so, that business leader, that person in power, that influencer, that future husband or wife, <laughs> and yet you've been granted 24-7 access to God himself your Father who is holy and in heaven, for your protection, for your provision, for your direction, for your guidance, for your purpose in life. Friends, you've been granted access. The question is, what are you doing with the relationship that God has established between you and Him? I had to say to a young man in our church this week who's really gone AWOL, he's absent without leave, who knows what he's doing? I had to say to him this week, your life was purchased with the precious blood of Jesus. What are you doing? Friends, your reconciliation to God, your right relation to God, your access to God was purchased by the precious blood of Jesus. What are you doing with that access? It came at a great cost. It is a great privilege. The question is, what are you doing with it? Imagine sometimes you go to a, a stadium or an event and you get given a lanyard like all our kids have got and it says kind of a certain level of access has been given to you so you can just walk right into certain places. Imagine you get given an all-access lanyard and you're so impressed with it that you frame it and you put it on your wall. 
and you look at it every day, but you never even went to the concert or the whatever that God got you in. Friends, I want to urge you to take the access that is yours as a son and a daughter of the Most High God and do simply four things. I want to urge you with this access to worship, to listen, to ask, and to act. Worship, listen, ask, and act. I want to urge you to come daily, worship, into His presence, worshiping Him like the angels are worshiping Him, worshiping Him like the host of heaven are worshiping Him. Worship Him because He's worthy of worship. Don't come once a week. Sometimes you guys are so quiet. I know you haven't been practicing in the week. You should be practicing worship every day. Those creatures ever live to worship Him. You're going to worship Him forever and ever and ever and ever because that's what we were made to do. Friends, I want to urge you to stir up and to provoke worship and adoration, to thank Him and to delight in Him. To delight not just in singing to Him, but a delight in, in receiving from Him, of being loved by Him and loving Him, of receiving the love of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to urge you to worship God on your own. I love the quote by Rick Warren where, where he says in The Purpose Driven Life, you are as close to God as you want to be. Friends, there's no closed door for you. You can be as close to God, as intimate to God as you want to be because you're a child of the Most High God. Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door of your life and I'm knocking. And if you would just open the door, I will come in and fellowship with you. Friends, I urge you to worship. Secondly, I urge you to listen. Jesus gave us the most incredible pattern in the Gospel of John in particular, that he, if you read the Gospel of John, one of the most, the things that overwhelms me with the relationship that Jesus had with the Father was that he says, I didn't say anything except that which the Father was saying to me. I didn't do anything except that which the Father was speaking to me. And I want to urge you that when you come into God's presence and you've worshipped Him, I want to encourage you to also pause and be quiet and listen and allow God to speak to you. In our church, we want to make famous, we want to make popular this question, what is God saying to you at the moment? And if you can't answer that question, you have to ask, am I really following God? It shouldn't be, well, I, I hope the pastor's hearing God. No, what about you? The Bible doesn't say that pastors have access to God. The Bible says that you are God's children. You don't want to hear through me, some older ugly brother. You want to hear straight from God. I want to urge you to listen to God, to learn to listen to God. Worship, listen, ask. In that place where the heavens are open, where you've cried out as Jesus taught us in Matthew 6, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Ask that His will would be done. And then at the end of that prayer, you can ask for things that you need as well. I want to urge you to ask God. And when you ask God and He answers, then I urge you to act. And as I always say, do everything that God tells you to do. Don't do more. Don't do less. But do it now. And you'll see God leading you to amazing things. 
God will lead you to speak to people that you never thought you'd be able to do. He'll, he will use you to transform situations. He will, he will change things in your own head and heart. God will challenge you sometimes about your attitudes and your actions. But as you act out on what God speaks to you, amazing things will happen to you and through you. Friends, we have been given, brothers and sisters, we've been given access to Holy Father. I want you to take the access that you've been given and to see the privilege that it is and to make full use of it. Amen. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to close the meeting today by breaking bread. And I think this is so fitting because it's only through Jesus that this access has been given. And so I'd love us to thank Him for this access um, right now at the end of the meeting. And so what I'm going to ask us to do is um, I'm going to ask us to stand up in just a moment and go to one of the three tables. There's one in the front and two at the back. And I want you to get with just two or three people. Don't make a big group, a mega group. Just make two or three people and just together thank Jesus that He came and preached peace so that you could be reconciled so that you could have access to God. And then why don't you even together, why don't you just worship Him by thanking Him? And why don't you wait and ask God to speak to you and then share with one another if you feel God saying anything. And then I urge you as you leave today to act on whatever God says. Amen. Let's, uh, let's stand up. KG, do you mind coming come uh, just playing for us in the background? If you could, that'll be wonderful. Let me pray and then... Uh, and then let's go and find other people around the communion table. And let's share with each other. Let's thank Jesus. Let's worship Jesus. Let's listen to Jesus. Let's ask and let's act. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray together. Why don't you in your heart of hearts just agree with me? Lord, we are amazed at you. We thank you for ever coming. Thank you, Lord, that you reached out to us. You came and preached peace. You made us possible, Lord, to be reconciled back to God. And thank you that you've given us access that is unimaginable. Lord, I pray that we would not just value this access, but we'd use it. And so, Lord, even as we come to this communion table, we want to say, Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this privilege that we have. And Lord, we don't just put it on the shelf. We want to use it. We want to make the most of this privilege. So Lord, as we break bread together now, we worship you.